complete in him. I got in him in 1980, and I have been complete ever since. I've been realizing that I, I needed to be complete. I, I, you always think, well, if I just do this. No, no, no. You got saved. You're complete. Uh, there's nothing more you can do to add to that or subtract to it. All you can do is enjoy it. Uh, take your Bibles. Go to uh, Luke. Uh, last week I preached in Luke uh, 22, 31 through 34. And really what I wanted to do was hit the other verses after that, but... Uh, there was so much in 22 that in that passage there that I went on and hit that. So I'm going to finish it up today. Take your Bibles again. Go to Luke 22. And I'm going to just read those very first verses. Actually, let's just read the verses I want to get to. 22, Luke 20. I've got to get to 22 too. 11 don't work. 22. Jesus is talking to Peter and he tells him he's going to uh, uh, betray him. Not betray him, but he's going to deny him. Verse 35, and he, and he said unto, unto them, after he talked to them there, he says, When I sent you without purse and script and shoes, lacked ye anything? They answered nothing. Then, then he said unto them, But now, uh, then he said, uh, Then said he unto them, But now he that hath a purse, let him take it. And likewise his script, and, and he that hath no sword, sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say unto you that this is, is written... Uh, that this that is written must yet be accomplished among the transgress uh, uh, must be accomplished in me, and he was reckoned among the transgressors for the thing concerning me and the end. Man, that thing's hard to read for some reason. And they said, Lord, behold, uh, here are two swords. And he said to them, It is enough. Father, thank you for your uh, blessing, Lord. That song is just ringing through my head, complete in thee. Uh, Lord, what a song uh, to sing, Lord. Uh, it's just a great song. Uh, Lord, uh, we are complete in thee. Lord, uh, everything you did at the cross was finished when you uh, died that day for us. Uh, Lord, when a person trusts you as their Lord and Savior, it is finished for all eternity. Uh, but Lord, we have so much stuff that uh, we can do here that is a blessing that you've given us an opportunity to do. I just pray that you'd help us to see that. Uh, Lord, I believe one day the rapture is going to happen or, or we'll go by the grave, one or the other. But in any case, it'll be over for us at that particular point. After that, the Lord will not get another opportunity to do for you what we can do down here. Lord, I pray that you'd open our eyes and hearts and help us to see the things that you got prepared for us, Father. And we'll praise you and honor you in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Back, back to uh, thir uh, 2231, Peter, it says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Uh, we fight somebody today that is unbelievable, really. And, and unless you really realize what's going on in your life, you're going to let that thing it just constantly get beat up and banged up on and, and whipped up on. Uh, you'll hear people say, well, you're unworthy or you're worthless. You're not worthless. You're not worthless. The devil will tell you you're worthless. The Holy Spirit will say you're unworthy. There's a big difference in that. I'm unworthy to, to be what I am. I'm saved today. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm gone, uh, absent from the body, present with the Lord. I'll never have to worry about a place called hell. Never will worry about that. I'm completing him. I don't know about you, but boy, when I start thinking about that song, it just it echoes through my mind. It goes, Mike, you don't have to worry about a thing. Everything was taken care of at Calvary. And when you trusted me, it was settled. You're done with this thing. Don't ever let it sweat you. You got scripture that backs that thing up. Believe me. You know what our problem is? We just don't believe him. You know why we don't do what we should do? We really don't believe him. And we think there's something better on this side than on the other side. There's, brethren, there's nothing down here. I'm telling you, man, it's going to get worse and worse. I would love to say, praise God, hallelujah, you're going to have a lovely day today. And everything. I wish I could do that, man. I think it's going to crash and burn. 
about the end of the day, something bad's going to happen to you. <laughs> no, I, I would love, man, I would love to say you're going to be a millionaire and rich and all this other stuff. Man, that'd be great, man. Make sure you tie the boxes back there. I, I wish somebody would win the lottery, man. That would be cool. I wish I could win the lottery. The only way I could win the lottery is if somebody gave me a lottery ticket so I wouldn't have to buy it. Uh, Brother Joe asked me on the way down there uh, to Kentucky yesterday. He goes, if you win the lottery, do you have to tithe on it? I'm like, well, you didn't work for it. I said, it's not your first fruit. Let's think about that for a second. I said, <laughs> I said but how am I going to get a lottery ticket? I can't get a lottery ticket unless somebody gives me one. Then I'm going to ask them to sin. Nah, forget it, man. I just do it the way the Lord said to do it. I like that. Unworthy. You know, there's another spirit. You know what our problem is? There's spirits out there talking all over the place. And you got to watch those spirits sometimes because they'll, they'll feed things into your head. First of all, the devil knows your heart. He already knows what you want. And, but he'll, I mean, he'll just, he'll give you that right there, man. He'll, he'll, you got to watch that thing. You got to read your Bible. You know what's the, the key to this thing? That song said, the scripture holds the, everything you need right here. And it brings you into check constantly right here. And, and I don't care, I'm, brother, I don't care. I don't care how lonely you are. I don't care how poor you are. I don't care how rich you are. I don't care about nothing. This thing will bring your life into check. And without this, you cannot succeed with Jesus Christ. You can't do it. And that's really what we should be doing anyways. I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. I like that song, man. Completing thee. I'm completing him. I don't need anything else. I'm sold out. I'm done. Uh, am I perfect? Of course I'm not. I wish I was. I'm, a, I'm flesh just like anybody else, man. You, you smash my hand, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scream. Uh, I'm gonna, I've, I've smashed my hand before. I haven't cussed in a long, long time. And uh, I've hurt myself, and mm, I, well, mm, Beth's made me mad enough to cuss a couple times, kind of, <laughs> in Jesus' name. But, I, you know, it's amazing that, that you can smash your hand and won't cuss, and your wife do something to you, and you just get, well, there's another spirit out there that wants to stop you. You just get on this track. You just get saved, and all of a sudden you start on this little journey. And you, it's just a journey through life, and, and everything's new. And, and I remember when I got saved in 19, I mean, it was all new. And all of a sudden, things started happening really, really quick. I like to hear stuff happen to young people, uh, chances and opportunities that they get. Uh, the door starts flinging open, and you see God's hand all in the thing. They're out there shouting and screaming because this is happening, this is happening, or this is a possibility, and I've, I've always wanted this, and now here, you know, the thing is open here. Right out there, I mean, you see God's hand all in the thing, and it's just a blessing, man. And, and then you get kind of, well, Lord, I remember that used to happen to me, and I'm kind of like in the, in the doldrums, man. And he goes, no, you've already had it all. It's their turn. He goes, you, got, you can look back on all that stuff and see that your future is just sitting out there waiting for you just a couple more days out there somewhere, and you're just waiting for that thing to happen. But you got to walk all those walks out there. Now they get to do it. And I'm like, Lord, I mean, it was a blessing when I got to walk some of those things and all by myself with just him and me and him and walking down through there and, and everything falling apart. And I'm smiling all the way through that thing. And people say, what do you got? And I said, I got Jesus. That's what I got. And you say, what well, is now? It's their chance to do that. And when they get ready to do it, like some of these young people get back from camp, they got an opportunity now to give their life to Jesus Christ. And who knows what that is, man? I wish I, I had a crystal ball, but we can't use crystal balls because that's kind of illegal. But, but if you had something where you could look and say, this is what your future is going to be, I have no idea what your future is. You got to figure that thing out. And you'll do good and you'll do bad. You'll mess up and you won't mess up. But the key to that thing is having Jesus Christ down the thing. He's sitting here talking to Peter. And he goes, Peter, Satan wants to sift you, man. Do you know what he wants to do with everybody in this room? He wants to sift you. 
And you know what the Lord wants you to do sometimes? I mentioned this last week. He wants Satan to sift you so he can see what you're made of. And when you get on the other side, you know what he does? He purifies you and you come out on the other side of the thing. In Peter, 1 Peter, I mentioned this verse last week, 5, 6, it says, well, 5, 8 says, well, actually, let's go back to 5, 6. It says, humble yourselves. That's the hardest thing you'll ever do in the world. You know why? Because we're this arrogant, pride-filled society we live in. Everybody's got to have a pat on the back. Everybody's got to be told what great job they're doing. And what, you know, brother, we're, we're morons. We're messed up. Well, you're not all morons. I, I consider myself a moron. You're just ignorant at best. But you're worthy. You're unworthy, but you're worth something to Jesus. It doesn't matter where you're at on this rung of this ladder, this staircase. God can use anybody at any given time. Uh, oh, man, I read us. Don't go away. This is free. This won't cost you nothing. But it was good. If I can find it. I know I can find it. It's, it's in seven, I believe. Ecclesiastes seven. Man, it's, it's just, your Bible is just full. Do you ever read your Bible? Great book, man. I'm telling you, it's a great book. Oh, I had it and I lost it probably. Da, 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 da. You say, what are you doing? Well, I'm just singing to myself. But he's sitting there, it might be eight, seven, eight. He's talking about... Uh, the living dog, yeah, this, a living dog. You know, a living dog is better than a dead lion. I'd rather be a dog, man, than a dead lion. A dead lion may look mean and fierce, but he's still dead. A dog can still bite you, man. You still get something out of it. There was a passage in here, and I done lost it, man, where it started talking about uh, the race is not to the swift. Does anybody know where that's at real quick? I thought I had a, I got a, da 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 I know it's in six or seven, eight or nine. But it goes on. Well, I forget it, man, but I'll come back to it. It'll hit me in a minute. The race is not to the swift. Riches are not to those of intelligence. Time and, it says time and chance happen to every man. Every opportunity, God can give every one of us an opportunity at any given time to serve him and do what he wants to do. But you got to be looking for that thing and you got to be trying to seek it out there. If you're trying to do all this other stuff in the world, you're going to miss the thing. But you try to say, no, I'm going to put God in front of this thing and realize that there's a devil out there somewhere trying to stop you. Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, because your adversary, the devil is roaring around like a roaring lion, man. He's not dead. And he's seeking, he says, walking about seeking whom he may devour. He's looking to eat somebody up. And he's looking to eat us up. And the Lord's telling that. He's talking to Peter there and he's, he's warning him, man. He says, hey, you're, you're not fighting against somebody that's, that's just out there, man. You're devil. You're the spirit. You got to watch who you're talking to. Sometimes that spirit will say something in your ear because it'll know what you want. And it'll say something right in your ear. And you say, yeah, that's a good idea. That must be the Lord. That may not be the Lord. You got to sit there and say, Lord, show me. He's going to show you out of scripture. He's going to show you some other way than just a voice going through your head. Because if you don't, man, you can make one of the biggest mistakes you ever made in your life. The devil wants to destroy us. There's another spirit out there that wants to stop you. He wants to stop you any way he can. Why? Because you know what? You may, I was talking to Brother Richard. He left here last week, took him to the airport Monday. He got home Tuesday morning. They went out on the street or he went to a nursing home or something. And uh, one of the guys he was with led somebody to the Lord. He called me up and said, hey, Mike, somebody got saved today. That's what the devil wants to stop. He wants to stop somebody else from getting into heaven. You know what you got? You got the only ticket for anybody to get into heaven. And you got the words that will get them on the right train. 
You got the words that'll get them right where they need to be. And what the devil wants to do is stop you however he can. He'll use a thousand different things, a million different things to stop you. Each one of us are different. That's why I could never tell nobody. Don't come to me and ask me, well, what should I do? I can't tell you. I can tell you maybe what something looks like on the outside, but the word of God is where it's going to come from. That small, still spirit inside of you, you got to make sure that thing is telling you and you got the right one. There's another spirit out there that wants to destroy you. It wants to stop you. There's another spirit out there that wants uh, to get you to listen to another voice. First Timothy, go over to First Timothy real quick. This, I got this, this is a good verse. I was Roman Catholic. I'm telling you what, man, you're talking about a mess. I can't even begin to tell you how messed up that church is. And they think they're perfectly right. And, and the problem is, is you got to know how to say what you're going to say to them because they believe pretty much what you believe. And if you can't walk, step them through some things to get them beyond where they're at, you'll never win them. They'll never see it because they believe in Jesus Christ. They believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. They believe Mary. I mean, they really believe Mary. They believe Mary was a virgin and she had a They believe all that stuff. You know what they don't believe? That they got to ask Jesus Christ to save their soul. That's what they don't believe. You got to give them that. First Timothy, first Timothy chapter four. Real quick. I just want to go through a couple verses here and I'm going to get to my verses and I'm done. Now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. You know what's wrong with a lot of people today? This, these are people in the church. These are people in the faith. They fall away from it. They go away from it. Why? They're listening to the wrong thing. Well, I, like, like uh, Miriam and Aaron come up to Moses and said, well, we know just as much as you do. We talk. No, you don't. God come down and says, no, you don't. I speak to Moses face to face. I look at you and everybody else in dreams. He goes, how dare you talk to my man like that? I'm like, whoa, man. You know, I like, I like, I like Moses. Moses is cool, man. He said, I, I, fortunately, I'm not Moses. <laughs> Thank God for that, because I'd probably be dead already. But I'm sitting there, he walks up and says, Dathan and Byron, come on. We know him just, I said, ah, let something strange, really weird happen. Let the ground, before the words came out of his mouth, the ground opened up, and away they go. I mean, could you imagine looking down the bottomless pit and it just keeps going, ah, and then it closes up. And then everybody gets mad at Moses and said, you killed. Brethren, we're, we're ignorant at best. There's a guy that just opens the ground up with the words. And God opens the ground up, and you still want to go against him. How many times does God have to show us something that the spirit of this world, the spirit of the devil, is in this thing, and he's moving across people, and he's just constantly trying to get people. You put something right out in front of them like that, and when they see it, they just, they look, no, 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 it's your fault. No, no, the problem lies right there, and you're against God. you got to sit there and say, well, I don't want to be against God. In the latter times, that's us, here we are. Paul is sitting here talking, the greatest Christian ever lived, sitting here talking about the latter times. That's where we're at. He says, in the latter times, the end, the end of this thing, some shall depart from the faith. Not all, some. Boy, I thank God all the time. I said, Lord, I'm still here. I'm still thinking about you from time to time. I still like reading my Bible. I told Beth, I got to force myself to read my Bible. I, I'm, I'm sitting here all the time going, man, I got to read. I got to read enough to read four times a, a year. I got to go down and read. I got to read. I got to force myself to read. And I don't know about you. You may actually like to read and you may sit with your Bible, which I've heard people do that before. And there's sometimes that happens, but most of the time it's like, <clears throat> and I'm, I'm sitting there going, I just read a whole chapter. What did I just read? Have you ever read the crucifixion and you go through it and you go like, what did I just read? Jesus just got crucified right there. And I just went through it like it was nothing. 
I'm sitting there going, Lord, I go back and reread it again. I said, I don't care. If I have to read it 10 times a year, there's some things in this Bible that you should just go over and over again and never let that think. But I'm telling you what, brother, the spirit in this world of this age, it wants to just nullify everything that goes on in your mind. And, and any way that you get close to God, it wants to pull you out of that thing. It says seducing spirits, giving heed to the seducing spirits. There's seducing spirits out there that want to... Did you hear what he said about you? Did you hear what she said about you? Did you see what they're doing over there? Did you see what they did? Did you see that news? Did you see this? How about Trump? What do you think about? I don't think about Trump. He's on his own, man. He's, he, he's a big boy. He can handle himself. He's got lots of money. He can do what? Every time he says something, they're out after him. That tells you right there that the other side is really bad. If this side is bad, that side is really, really bad. I don't want no part of it all. David was seduced. He sat there and was up on the side of a mountain, up on the side of his house, and he was watching the wrong thing, got in trouble. Saul gave in. Saul wasn't seduced at all. Saul refused to do what the Spirit of God said, and it ended up bad for him. Eve was seduced. The devil got her. Adam gave it up. Adam gave up his life for Eve. He wasn't seduced. Ananias and Sapphira. I love Ananias and Sapphira. They're cool, man. They were, they, uh, they weren't, or they were seduced. I don't love Ananias and Sapphira. It's the next one. Ananias and Sapphira were seduced by wealth. And they thought, well, I could just walk in and I could tell them anything. And it's just the church who really cares. God cares about this thing. Amen. You may not think about it, but he cares about this thing. And when you start playing games with this thing, he'll play games with us. I tell you what, brother, I don't know about you, but I've watched him over 47 years, 43 years, definitely. That, I tell you, when I was lost and that guy hit my car and totaled that thing out, and I had just moments before that driving down 65, I showed Beth where the spot was. I mean, driving down, my engine's getting ready to explode, and, and I go around the curve. I said, oh, it's sorry, it hit me, and bam, there it was. You say, oh, that's deja vu. No, that's Holy Spirit, whatever it is. The Holy Spirit said, hey, you want to see something? I'll show you something. As a matter of fact, nobody get hurt, and I, he's got insurance anyways. I think God uses insurance companies. David said he served his generation. Whatever you got going for you, hey, man, use it. Use it, don't abuse it. I never abused it. I didn't get, stick my nose out there to get hit. The guy hit me. It's his fault. But it's like the Lord saying, you have not because you asked not. Well, I, I didn't ask him. Miss, my engine's getting ready to blow up. <laughs> I need some way to get another car, man. I ain't got no money. The Lord said, hey, I'll hook you up. And I got another car out of the deal. You say, what is that? That was a lost person saying something and something happening and it just floored me. I mean, it just it drew my attention to something. I said, man, I didn't give God the credit that day. I didn't have no idea. I'm like, I just said that a second ago, right back here. Nobody knew that but me. And it happened, and God says, yeah, but later on down the road, he says, Mike, that was me. That was me. That was me, boy. That was me. Do you got that thing? Ananias and Sapphira thought they could walk in and just do whatever they want in God's house. No, you can't. You'll lose your hide, man, every single time. God will take it away. I don't, I'll tell you what, brother, I want to be in church if I have to sit in a pew and just look up here and have somebody preach to me and spit on me. I've heard people say, well, I'll never have nobody ever yell at me again. You liar. You wait till you get out there and you do something wrong and a cop comes up and gives you a big old fat ticket and yelling at you while you're getting it. What are you going to do? Yell back and go to jail? How about go to the judge? Get in the courtroom, man. The judge. I was in the courtroom with one guy. One time, and there's a Willie Cosby. It's funny. I flew out there with him. And it's just me and him in the courtroom. And they were going to lock Willie up. They thought he had a gun. Willie probably did have a gun. He, was, he had three fingers. He had two fingers cut off. And he said he was doing this. But Willie had guns. So uh, Willie probably had a gun. 
going down the road. I've, I've been with him before. He probably threatened people. Saved as anything. Missionary. Loved God. Passed thousands of tracks out. Not hundreds of thousands. I mean, tons of them. Won all kinds of people. Lord, got a temper. One day he did something. Got locked up. I'm sitting in the courtroom, man. I'm watching Willie down there. And I'm all the way in the back. I just want to go, free Willie! Free Willie! And I figured if I did that, I'd get locked up too. So I shut my mouth, man. I just, and then they let Willie go, and they, they put him in my custody, and I brought him back home. But you know what? It's Ananias and Sapphira thought they could do whatever they want, and you can't. You can't drive down the road and do what you want. You can't do what you want in this country. There's no way you can. But they did, and they lost everything. Then you got Aquila and Priscilla. Man, that's a, that's a couple I like right here. Just a normal, everyday couple that gets in, in God's will and just starts serving God. They found Jesus, husband and wife, loving God, serving God. They come up one day and Apollos is sitting there saying some things. Well, if it wasn't for Aquila and Priscilla, Apollos would still be talking about John the Baptist. You'd say, well, that wasn't bad. Yeah, but it was wrong. But Apollos didn't know it. Apollos was doing what he thought he knew was right. Aquila and Priscilla said, hey, come here, come here, come here, come here, can we tell you something? So they start talking to him, and they convert the guy, get him on the right path, and he goes off. You know what's a blessing about Apollos? Acts 18, 27 says, and when he was disposed to pass into Archaea, Apollos is going to head, after he gets the truth, he's heading out to Dodge. He doesn't stop, he doesn't miss a lick, man. He just keeps on, okay, man, hey, I was preaching the wrong thing. Let me go back. I'm going to start talking about Jesus now. I, I'm talking about John's baptism. But this is different than that. I need Jesus now, and you need Jesus now. And he takes off. That was because of Aquila and Priscilla. You know what Aquila and Priscilla did? They'd go off and tell somebody else something. You know what our job is, brothers, is to tell people about Jesus. It's number one is to live a life that we're supposed to live, but tell them about Jesus along the way. And the only way you'll ever do that is learn how to live your life. I can't tell you. Nobody can tell you how to live your life. The Bible can and the Holy Spirit can. But if you're listening to the wrong spirit, you're going to live it wrong. It's going to go the wrong way. You know how you tell the, I'll tell you, I'm glad you asked that question. Exhorting the disciples says, and when he was disposed to pass into Archaea, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, and when he was come, helped them with much belief, uh, helped them much which had believed through grace. For he mightily, not just, well, can I tell you about Jesus? I like to see people get excited. I think you ought to have zeal. I think you ought to have a lot of zeal. I think when you talk about Jesus, that thing should, you, I can, can I tell you, can I offer you? Can I offer you a gospel tract? to tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ. But somewhere in the process of that thing, it ought to light you up. I mean, I, I used to, I'm, I like talking. Man, you get started and you can't shut up. I hate it when I'm around somebody else, especially in the Navy, because I can't ever get all my stories in. You get somebody who really likes what they're doing, you know what they'll do is they'll start getting excited about everything else around them. I love I loved telling people about Jesus Christ because you start this thing, it never ends. How can you end telling somebody about him? That's what Apollos did. Apollos, you know what I liked about brethren? The brethren knew what Apollos was doing. And the brethren gave Apollos the okay. The brethren sent a note ahead and said, hey, this guy Apollos, man, he was preaching John, but now he's preaching Jesus and you can trust him. And Apollos gets there and is helping them. Just like Paul was. Paul, Paul got into this thing and they said, man, Paul was killing Christians. And I said, no, no, Paul is on the right track now. Paul's one of us. 
Brethren, the church is everything to you. You can't separate the two out of your life. I can't. I can't. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. It's all one thing. It's all one thing. I told somebody the other day, I said, my wallet, I don't even have my wallet on me. But my wallet, I have on one side, I have my church cards. On the other side, I have my cards. Ask Sandy Bachman. I don't know which ones are which anymore. She has to tell me, you used the wrong card again. <laughs> I mean, I did. She came up to me today. She goes, you don't know how to add. Do you ever take abuse from a woman that's shorter than you? She goes, you can't add. I'm like, oh, man, she's going to ask me for money again. I said, okay, Lord. She goes, we owe you money. You, you, only, you put $1,500 down and $1,600. You cheated yourself. I said, do I get the interest? She goes, no, you don't get no interest. <laughs> I said, well, the IRS takes interest. Man, I tell you what, you, I don't even know anymore. I, I don't even care. What's 100 bucks here? What's 100 bucks there? What's $500? What is it anyways when it comes to Jesus Christ? You say, well, Mike, you're crazy. Maybe I am, but I'm fat too. <laughs> and I got to get rid of some weight because I eat too much. That means I got too much food in my refrigerator. And, I'm st- and, and, and people try to give me raises and I don't want them. Why? It just gives me more money I got to figure out what to do with. I don't want to do with anything else. I got too much now. But you know what? I like this guy, man. The brethren wrote a good, good if somebody wrote something about you, would it be good? They did him, and, and he just gets in. The brethren at the other end received him the same way. Brother, we're in this thing together. Well, we got, got a couple camps going on. Brother Joe got to go down to that one here, do this one up here, and a couple camps. And all these kids, these kids are starting to get relationships across the states, across the country that they would never have before. And now they're starting to see these things all tied together. And they're friends, and now they got places where they can get friends that they believe in and believe the same thing they do. Church is everything. If you're going to get through this world, your church, church better be everything to you. Or the devil's got these seducing spirits that's going to come right by and they're going to seduce you right off the side. And 10 years from now, I'll see you just like a mess like everybody else. I'm, I don't want to be a mess. I'm tired of being a mess. There's another spirit. And he preached Jesus. You know, that was a right, man. He got the right spirit. There's always wrong spirits. There's another, there's another spirit that is prepared for the battle. You know, a lot of times we don't realize... Jesus is warning him, guys. He says, Peter, the Satan wants to sift you. You got a, you got a well-armed adversary. And I, I tell you what, I, I see some of these guys that go into these gymnasiums and they work out and they come out like this. And you may hear me make fun of them, but I don't want to wrestle with them. I don't want to fight with them. They'll beat me up. I mean, anybody who can run 47 miles, you don't, you don't want to mess with that guy or that lady. They'll beat you up, man. I mean, they got, they got stamina. I don't have that. If I do, I fall apart. I went walking with Beth the other day, and, and I was down camp walking like this. I'm like, what is that, man? And it's just walking. I mean, I can't. Running was bad enough. I lost my leg in running. And then walking, my whole back half is hurting while we were speed walking. But still, I mean, you would think walking, walking is dangerous now. I need a wheelchair that moves. Something, <laughs> that probably hurt me too. I fall over and get crushed or something. But we, we have a well-armed enemy. The Bible says over in uh, Ephesians 6, 10, finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord. He tells you what to do. Paul's warning you. He says, this is what you need. You need to be strong. If you're, if, you're not in, if you're in here today and you're not strong in the Lord, you're fodder. That's all you are. You're fodder. You're, you're just waiting to be had is what you're waiting to be is had. 
The only way you can stop from being had is to get in this book and get a hold of God and get, get your mind right down the road and say, Lord, show me what to do out of this book and let the Lord show you that thing, man. Just like I think, I think uh, Gideon had it just right. Make it wet, make it dry, make it dry, make it wet. I don't care. what. Let's do something. Do it four or five times until you're absolutely sure that's what God wants. Then I would do it. But if you're not sure what God wants, I'd be very careful about doing something. It's just an accident waiting to happen. There's another spirit out there that's prepared for the battle. Well-trained. They've been doing this for eons. 6,000 years they've watched every man, woman, and child ever born. And they know exactly how to get you. You think you're smart? We aren't smart at all. I didn't say you're, you're a moron. I'm, I've said that word. I probably should take that out of my vocabulary. Uh, but we are ignorant to his ways. And we'll get our flesh in it, and he'll pump that thing. Uh, uh, I heard uh, an old preacher one time talk about another old preacher, and he was talking about a, a particular preacher. I'm not even going to mention the guy's name, but he said he was pumped by the news media. I'm like, what? What is pumped? I think it was pumped. And he goes, the news media got behind him and started pushing him and pumped him up in front of the whole world, and it destroyed that man. That man was a great preacher at one time, believed everything you and I believe, and then all of a sudden now he's sitting there kissing the Pope's ring. You say, what in the world? That's a Baptist. What in the world happened to him? He got pumped. You know what the devil do? Uh, another old friend of mine says this. He goes, he'll get behind you and push you, or he'll get in front of you and try to hold you back. You know what you got to do? You got to find that pace right in there somewhere where the Lord tells you to go, and you go down that pace with the Lord Jesus Christ. You got to find that thing. For we wrestle. He said, put on the whole armor of God. Why would Paul tell you that? Because you're wrestling with somebody out there that is already trained and ready to take us out. He told Peter, they said, Peter, he, he wants to sift you. Matter of fact, before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me. Or twice, you're going to deny me three times. And he does exactly that. You say, well, I'm be- no, you're not any better than Peter. I'm not better than Peter. He's dedicated, and these, these devils are dedicated to their master. You know what we need to do? We need to become dedicated to our master. Now, there, therefore... Therefore, we are ready, are to be ready for the battle that's coming. You know what our problem is? Is we're not ready. We, we live this world and we sit there and think of what we want in the temporal. And that temporal stuff is great, man. I'm telling you, it's okay to have all that stuff. Do it. I don't care. But if the temporal is the only thing you're looking for, you're going to be missing. You're missing it. You're missing it. Because those are the areas where the Lord, the devil can work right in the temporal things. He'll get you off on the one thing and the next thing you're in something else. Uh, Ephesians, oh, uh, 1 John 4, one, Beloved, be not... Beloved, believe not every spirit. Just because you hear something and you think it's God, don't you believe it unless you can prove it. But try the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Saul, Saul, Saul was at the witch of Endor. Y'all know the story. He sits there and he's in trouble. And instead of going to God, he goes to the witch of Endor. He finds a witch, a witch. That's supposed to die. He finds a witch. And he goes and disguises himself and he says, bring me up Samuel. I know a lot of preachers say that they don't think I said, I think I was Samuel. Because he said, tomorrow you're going to be right with me. And I don't think the witch brought him up. I think Samuel come up and said, you done blew it. This is the last time. But what I want to say is this. It wasn't that moment that Saul had his problem. You know where Saul's problem started? It started way, way back here when Samuel come over and anointed him. And Saul had the opportunity right there to do the right thing, and he didn't. 
You know what Saul did? He kept doing the wrong thing and the wrong thing and the wrong thing. Oh, but we did what the Lord said do. Sammy said, no, you didn't. I hear the, the sheep bleeding. What's that? I told you to kill everything. And all of a sudden, he's going to make up his own rules. Nope, nope, nope. You start doing this thing. And you, the witch indoor was just the final straw that broke the camel's back. It was his whole life. You know what's wrong with a lot of us? We think we can do this, and then we forget we did this. And, oh, this don't matter. No, it does matter. And that matters, and that matters, and that matters, and that matters. And this out here, God just, I like Ahab, man. You say, why do you like Ahab? Because him and Jehoshaphat, going down to battle, to Ramoth Gilead. And, and that stinking coward, man, has Jehoshaphat dress up like a king. And he dresses up like a normal everyday. And a guy just pulls an arrow and shoots him dead. You say, what is that? That's God, by the way. And God came and told him that's what's going to happen. And you think anybody with the right mind would say, hmm, I don't think I'll go to Ramoth Gilead. Gilead. No, no, not Ahab. Pride will, only by pride cometh contention. We got, a, we got a mind that just as pride-filled as it could possibly be when it comes to God's stuff. And we sit there and we won't back down from what God said. We won't do it. And we go headlong into that thing and mess up. That's what Saul did. Saul did that same thing. I like, how about John? John and James. John, we're talking about the apostle John, the, the, the guy that laid on Jesus' breast. I like Dr. Peacock. He always says, you know, he, those are the apostles. You know, the guys who got on this side of the table for the picture, photo ops. <laughs> you ever wonder how they all got on the same pitch side? You would think that they would be all over the table, but no, they had photo op. Luke, Luke 9, 4, 24, I got, I got one minute, watch this. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, yeah, here he goes. So the group of people right before that Jesus was going to go to Jerusalem had his face set to that, but the Samaritans didn't want nothing to do with him and wouldn't let him in. And James and John, I mean, they want to call down this, the, the fire from heaven, man, and, and just flat burn them all up. That was of the devil. But James and John thought what they were doing was right. They said, well, they did it in the Old Testament. Elijah did it. Elisha, Elijah did it. The 50 men up on the side of the mountain. And they come up and he said, come down. And the fire came down and devoured them. Another 50 came. Fire came down. Then the next guy comes, oh, God, don't kill me, man. I got a wife and kid. I got a new baby, man. Got a new farm. I got some horses and stuff. Don't kill me. And he didn't. He said, well, he did it. Maybe we should do the same thing. And the Lord says right here, he goes, this was John and James. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? Sounds good, don't it? You know what the Lord said? But he turned to them and rebuked them and said, you know not what manner of spirit you are of. Do you know what spirit you are of when you make your decisions? Brother, I'm telling you what, every decision is, should be based on the word of God. You say, well, but there's so much stuff I want... Don't care. I'm telling you, every decision you make should be based on the Word of God. You say, well, I've already messed up. So, okay, stop it and start doing it right now and let the Lord correct some of those things. You say, why would you do that? Because it's so important for us to do what God says do. He has a plan for each and every one of us. I have no idea what the plan. I would have never, on that back porch in Louisville, Kentucky in 1980, I would have never thought in a million years I'd be standing here today. I would have never thought that. In a million trillion years, I, first of all, I never thought I'd get through ETA school, but I did. And then 43 years later, here I stand, and you say, how did that happen? One day at a time with Jesus Christ, and he just does what he wants to do. And he'll let you know exactly what you need to do. And you know what? After a while, you'll get down the road somewhere, and you'll say, I'm going to do what he says to do, and I don't care what anybody says. 
And you'll start getting some guts inside of you. I mean, there's, I still sit there, I go home and say, Beth, was I too mean today? I'll do that today probably. Beth, was I too mean on them today? And she goes, oh, no, you're my favorite preacher. I'm like, you, you just say that. <laughs> I can't ever get her to tell me the truth. Did I say in the name of the Lord? She should say, in the name of the Lord. You're... That's what they did. Uh, Ahab even told that old prophet that. We're to be ready. The sons of thunder weren't ready for the battle. Jesus was trying to get them ready. Number five, and I'm done. The Lord's way. The Lord has a way to prepare you if you'll just stop and listen to his way. He, he told Peter right there in verse 34, uh, go back to Luke. I'll read those couple of verses and be done. He told you exactly 22, Luke 22, told you exactly what to do. Life is an amazing thing, man. Only one life to live will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. No matter what else you do, it's going to go away. It's going to go away. In hell for all eternity, you'll be down there burning for all eternity, and nothing you'll ever do will matter to a hill of beans. won't matter for nothing. It'll just be there for all eternity. I can't even imagine being in a place all eternity just burning and burning and burning. But you read Luke 16, 19, and that's exactly what the rich man's done. 2,000 years ago, that guy was in hell burning, and today he's still there burning. And there's no way out for him. Forever and ever and ever. And 10 million years from now, that man will still be in hell burning. But boy, for some reason, I found something 43 years ago. And I got saved and I moved from that side to this side. And I get to go to heaven forever. And I'm like, why would you do that to me? I said, Lord, I'm the least of all. He goes, yeah, that's right, you are. But that's who I usually work with is the least. It's not the smartest Time and chance happen to every man. There's people out there that's much more intelligent than I am. But the stick to itness is what God looks at. He looks at people that are reliable, that will just hang in there. I'm like, the, I'm like the elder brother. I'm like the guy who said, I'll go, and I didn't. And then afterwards, oh, okay, I'll do it. That's how I read my Bible. I'm going to read my Bible four times a year. See, I tell all y'all that like it's really something easy. It's not, it's not easy for me to do. Anything you do for God is not going to be easy. I'll tell you that right now. It's going to be hard because God's usually going to give you something that you can't do that he gets the glory out of. If you can do it that easy, then you get the glory, not him. But boy, when you can't do it and he gets the glory, that's where the, that's where the blessing's at. The Lord's way to be prepared. Luke twenty two thirty five, And he said unto them, when I sent you without a purse and script and shoes, lacked ye anything? You know, the first thing you need to learn is God will take care of you. Go back to Luke 9, a couple chapters back, real quick. A couple things, I'm done. I'm lying, you know I'm lying, but that's okay. He starts in verse 1 there, he says, Luke 9, 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power over, and authority over the devils and, and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said unto them, take nothing for your journey, neither staves nor script, neither bread nor money, neither have two coats apiece, and whatsoever house or, or whatsoever house, uh, house ye enter, excuse me, enter in, in there too, or there abide, and thence depart. And then he goes on. He goes, you, he said, remember back then? Remember back then? He said, I sent you out two by two. Did, did you need anything? And they go, no. He goes, okay, I'm getting ready to leave you. He goes, you remember all those things I took care of you? So many times, brethren, we forget all the little blessings that God has given us and the Lord's given us in our lives. 
And I look back on those things all the time, man. And I was talking to Jesse the other day, and she was all excited. And she went down to camp down there, and she was praying. And I thought something was really wrong because uh, I forget who was praying. I, I forget whether it was Wednesday or Thursday or Friday, whatever it was. And Jesse gets up right off the bat, and she goes down there and starts praying. And I, I kicked Beth and said, don't you want to go pray with your daughter? And she goes, no, I don't know. Let her pray by herself. I was getting ready to get up and go get it on her and see what it was. And uh, so I went out and talked to her after everything was over. And I mean, she spent a long, long time down there. And she said, she basically told me, she said, Dad, I've been praying for this thing for years. And she goes, I have no education. Not, not what they're wanting me to do and none of this and none of that and none of this. And they offered me this job. <laughs> and I get to go teach violin and, and music to people. That, and they're going to teach me how to teach and all this other stuff. And I'm sitting there going, that's God. You just keep doing the right thing. You know what she did? She went over to, uh, over to Sam's and she worked over and worked over. That's not just because she's my daughter. I'd say the same thing about you. She worked at Sam night and day to get a job over there to become manager. She became manager. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not where her heart was. And she said, Lord, I'd really, Lord said, okay, you want to teach, teach these little girls or teach these other people up here or get up here and do a special, play your violin. And she learns all those years, she learns that violin so she could get up here and play that violin and, and bless you in church. God says, hey, I think I'll turn this back around to you. How about that? <laughs> you know, sometimes God expects us to do something with what he gives us and you may not ever get anything back. But you might. <laughs> And he can do anything he wants when he wants it. It's an amazing, man. We serve a great God. I'm telling you, man. He says, then he goes, take nothing for your journey. Go out there with nothing. Now, you can't do that today because most people won't help you. <laughs> he says, neither stave nor scrimp nor bread nor money or two coats. And he said, just go. But then he said, but now. Go back to verse 36, back to Luke. He says, but now. But, but then said he unto them, but now. He that had the purse, let him take it. You know what you need to do is get a job. The Lord's getting ready to leave here, and he's going to mention in the last part of that verse, he's leaving. And when I leave, it's not going to be like it was before. And now you're going to have to walk through this life yourself. you got to grow up. you got to be a man or a woman, not a child anymore, a man or a woman. you got to take care of business. Because the business you take care of is mine. And you got to grow up and do it. You know what most people do? They don't want to do it. They want somebody else to do it for them. I tell you what, I wanna, I, I'm, I'm going to do it myself, man. I've got men around me that say, hey, Mike, you know why I'm there with you? I said, why? They go, because I've been watching you for years and you've been doing the same thing for over the years. Brother Rich got up here last. I didn't pay him to say that, by the way. But I, I did take him off for support. <laughs> because he did say, no, I didn't do that. That wasn't it. But he goes up here, he goes, Mike's the same way. He used to go down in, in, Norfolk, in, in Pensacola and pick up a trash can, pick up stinking lawnmowers on the side of the road and not fix them and sell them, make a few bucks, give Beth some more money. I've been doing this my whole life. You know what you do? You get into a, a, a thing and you never say, you watch how God blesses little teeny weeny things and you just keep doing it, man. You keep doing it. And pretty soon you're sitting there and you go, oh, I got too much, stuff. I got to get rid of some stuff. And, and you sit there, got so much, you don't know what to do with it. You say, what is it? I still ain't got no money. But God's just blessed. You say, what is that? You do what he says, do. Then one day he says, well, how about this? Phil Nessel, when I got my job at LexisNexis, I kept bugging the lady over there. I kept calling the lady at the HR department at LexisNexis. I called about six months. Hi, this is Mike. Any jobs yet? No, Mike. Okay, thank you. Click. Hey, Mike. Hey, is there any jobs yet? 
No. Click. Called her one day. Hey, this is Mike. Mike, I'm sick of hearing you. I'm going to get you an interview with Phil Nessel just where you'll leave me alone. I said, thanks. So Phil calls me up. I go in there and talk to him. Phil looks at my resume and says, Mike, I can see you can fix everything from the flat end to the pointy end of any ship out there. And airplanes, we don't have any F-14s here, by the way. We don't have any helicopters and we don't have any ships. I'm like, yeah. And he goes, and the type of electronics we do is data. We're not communications. I said, okay. He goes, so you're not qualified for anything I got. I said, I know. I said, but you hire me one year from now, you'll never regret it. <laughs> that sucker hired me. <laughs> He hired me, gave me a job. You know what he said one year later? He tried to give me a raise. I said, Phil, take some money back, man. You pay me too much. I said, take some of it back, man. Just take it back. Don't give me no raise. He gave me a raise anyways. He said, you're sick. You're crazy. That's the same guy who called me in his office and said, quit passing those out. I'm like, it didn't have our name on it back then. I said, how do you know that's me? That was in building 10. I'm in building one. How do you know that's me in some bathroom? I don't even know where that bathroom is in building 10. He goes, because you're the only one that would do that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man. I like it when somebody knows what side I'm on. I don't ever have to hide that thing, man. This is the side. As for me and my house, I like Joshua. We will serve the Lord. That's what I'm going to do right there, man. I'm not going to. This is where I'm at. And if you don't ever see me over here and you see me over here somewhere, drag me on this side, man. And just keep dragging me over here until I get it. Let me finish this off. I'm almost done. Then he said, but now he that have purse, let him take it. You have financial uh, requirements that you need to take care of. That's your job. That's not, the Lord's going to bless you, but guess what? You got to do something. You got to sometimes work and work and work and work to get that thing done. You got to do it. It's a financial, financial preparation. And likewise, his script, I like this good Samaritan. Everybody finds this guy alongside the road, don't touch him. But the good Samaritan comes around, throws him on his donkey, camel, uh, his, his car, his Maserati, whatever it was. Gets him down to the hotel, say, hey, look, what? put it on my bill, man. Put it on my tab, take care of the kid. That's a script. That's somebody else's money. That's somebody else's stuff that you're taking care of. You know you're taking care of God's stuff? He gives you an open blank check, man, and he says, take care of my stuff. I'm like, okay, man, I got it. And he that had no sword. This is where Peter had his problem. He's going down through there. He says, go buy a gun. Now, if you ain't got a gun in here, I'm telling you, you ought to have a gun or a big club or something. Not to go out and shoot people. You're not in some organization where you're going to go out there and militia and all this stuff. That's stupid. That's foolish. You're not supposed to raise up against the government, but somebody someday, you might have to take care of some business. You ought to take care of yourself. You say, well, I don't like guns. You ought to get one anyways. And just tell somebody, I don't like these things, and I'm not sure how they, but if I get all nervous, I'm going to pull the trigger on you. <laughs> Scare them or do something, man. Throw it at them. I don't it hurt, man. You ever get, get hit by a 9mm uh, Ruger pistol, it might hurt. But he says, go sell them. For I say unto you, and I'm almost done, for I say unto you, that this that is written must yet be accomplished in me. And he was reckoned. Among transgressors. That's Isaiah 53, 12. He goes through all that. He was beat with an inch of his life. And he hung between two thieves on a cross. And he goes on and finishes out. And it says, for these things concerning me have an end. It's going to end one day. He, on the cross up there at Calvary. He held out his arms. He waited for this thing. See, he waits. He just waits. The Lord's not in a big hurry. Never has been. 
And he's on a cross and he's suffering, man. I mean, he's got nails. Now he's, he's the Lord, but he's all man. And he's got spikes in his hand. He's got spikes in his feet. He's pushing himself up trying to breathe. I've seen, I've seen doctors and stuff all talk about that, how, how they, you sag down, then your lungs start pulling tight, and you pull up to get a breath of air. I don't know if any of that happened. I, that's just what they say usually should happen. But he waited till that thief on that cross found him and gave him an opportunity to get to him. And when he got to him, he said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And shortly thereafterwards, both of them was down there. Boy, you got a great God that will wait in that condition for you. But he's not in that condition anymore. He's now sitting at the white throne. He's up at the white throne. He's up at the throne, man. And he's got the angels before him. As far as you can see, angels and people out there. And he's sitting there looking at that thing and he's going, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. You know, you could be the last person to get saved and we could all get out of here. You ought to go out and find some people and just shake them. You got to get saved, man. You could be the one. There's going to be some last one somewhere. Then he said, but now. And he goes on. And the very last thing, and they said, Lord, behold, here are two swords. And he said unto them, it is enough. Now, back to Peter. Peter, he said, Peter, Satan wants to sift you. And we'll go from one side to the other for some reason. We're never right in the middle. And Peter sits there, and he, he sits there, and he's looking at him, and he says, we got two swords. And Peter, you know he has one, and a few minutes he cuts Malchus' ear off, and the Lord has to put the thing back on. You know there's a right time and a wrong time for everything? There's a right time and a wrong time. Peter was at the wrong time. It, Jesus did not need Peter to do anything for him. He could have called 12,000 or 12 legions of angels, which is 72,000 angels, 6,000 a league. A legion, and he could have called 72,000 angels. Any one of them would have probably been able to do the job. Uh, the the 72,000 or 60, 60, uh, 71,999 of them would have watched the other one just blow everything away. Uh, he didn't need all that. Christ could have just with a word done it. By the way, so many times we sit there and we limit the Lord in our lives because we try to say that, that well, you know, this, this, this. No, look, man, he can do, do anything he wants any way he wants to do it. And I don't know how he does what he does, and I don't even care. I just know he does. And I'm just going to give him the benefit of the doubt on everything. And if he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. He didn't need Peter at that moment. You know what he needs down the road? He said, Peter, I need you to stand for me down the road. And he goes, when, when you are converted, you're not yet. But when you are, strengthen your brethren. He says right there, the very last verse there, he goes, he goes and he said, Lord, here are two swords. Peter's whole problem was, I wrote these down. I need to write it to say it. Peter's whole problem is that he thought he was something he wasn't. You know, a lot of problems, we think we're something we're not. Brother, you're not as strong as you think you are. Again, you're not as weak as you think you may be. But you are not Jesus Christ. And without him, you're going to make a big mistake. You're going to mess up. There's just no possible way you can. Without Jesus Christ, all humankind is destined for a place called hell. The people that died before Jesus Christ came, if he had never come on that cross, they'd be still sitting in Abraham's bosom today. There would be no way out for him. They would still be looking across that great gulf that's fixed out there, and they'd be still see the rich man in hell, and Lazarus would be over here, and they would never be able to get out. But no, one day Jesus Christ came and died at Calvary, opened the door to heaven, went down there, picked him up, took him on to heaven, and now the door is open, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Sometimes we think we're something we're not. And we're nothing compared to Jesus Christ, nothing. You're worth, you're not worthless. You're unworthy. There's a big difference there. Don't ever forget that. 
and sometimes, and sometimes, wait a minute. Peter's whole problem is that he thought he was something he wasn't, and he could, could do something he couldn't. When the Lord tells you this is what's going to happen, and you think you're going to do it some other way, ain't going to happen. The Lord's already warned you what's going to happen. The question is, are you going to do what he said, or are you going to do what you say? He, wanted, he, he had a sword, but he wasn't supposed to use it yet. That was for down the road a ways, not today. The Lord's still handling things today. I don't need you right now, Peter. I don't need you down the road. I need you to learn some things. He got knocked down in the first round. Two little girls, man. Take, I mean, if the Lord could do something to you and really make you sad, is, is you're a big old brawly fisherman, and you're out there working in seas and all this stuff turning, and the little girl says, aren't you one of him? No, I'm not. I mean, that's like, have you ever had one of these? This is rich. Always take a kid with you. Give the track to the kid. Big guy, the big one. Give it to the big one. And you got to convince. And the little kid goes, you know why? Because we're cowards, and we won't go do it. You won't go do this thing because you're afraid you're going to get hit or something. That's Peter. Peter, he's a little girl. Aren't you one of his disciples? No. Well, John's already in there. He tells one of the little girls, go out and get him. And bring him in. He brings him in. Aren't you one of his? No. Another one. You got to be one of him. No. And then he starts cussing the third time the cock crows. And you sit there and say, what is that? The Lord, he, he got knocked out in the first round. Boy, aren't you glad that it, he didn't get knocked down. He just knocked out. He got knocked down. A righteous man falleth seven times but gets back up. Brethren, we have an opportunity to do something for Jesus Christ. And young people, you have such an opportunity. This world wants you to go out and do all the stuff that they want, but you have such an opportunity to get a hold of Jesus Christ at a young age and do something great for him. Ask some old people if, you should, if, if they could change it, what they would do. I'll bet you every single one of them in this room would say, I'd go back and I'd do it sooner. And I'd go back and serve him more. And I'd do this. In heaven, you'll never get that opportunity. Down here, the world says, you got to have this, you got to have this, you got to have this, you got to have this. You know what the problem is? I'm going to tell you, this stuff will start grabbing you and putting hooks in you. You need to be ready at any given time to get rid of everything you have and move what Jesus Christ, if the Lord says move, move, move. I told Beth, I said, at any given time, the Lord says, you're going on a mission field. I said, three months, I can have my house sold, I'll be gone. You say, would you? Well, she would be gone with me. She, but she goes, you're going to have to make sure the Lord's in it. I'm like, you're so funny. You'll just go where I go. No, I won't. <laughs> Unless the Lord's in it. I'm like, okay, I'll make sure he tells you first. And then you can come tell me. But the second round hasn't happened yet for him. Peter has several more rounds to go before the end of that thing is in Peter's life. Take your Bible, go to John real quick, and I'm done. Right here. The Lord is such a gracious Lord. He meets him over there on the shoreline in John chapter 21. And he gets, he's sitting there talking to Peter. You know, he loves him. He loves you and me. You know what he wants? He wants us to love him more than anything else on this planet. He doesn't want you to love his planet more than him. Verse 18, John 21, 18 says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou was young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying uh, what death he should glorify God. You think Peter would got it by then? Verse 20 says, Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple that Jesus loved, John, following which also leaned on his breast at supper, saith, unto, un, saith Lord, 
which is he, uh, Lord, which, which is he that betrayeth thee? That's what John asked. He goes, Peter say, seeing him, say, uh, saith the, uh, Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? That's none of your business. That's between me and him. Do what I tell you to do. You know, brethren, what we got to do today? All you got in your hand is a little Bible. 66 books, uh, 1,380 pages, I think, is in mine. And sometimes all you have to do is just read this thing. And be faithful in reading it and reading it and reading it and reading it and reading it. And let the Holy Spirit dictate what it is. It doesn't matter. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. I'm at a point right now in my life where I realize there's nothing else of any value. Nothing else of any value. I'm like, Lord, am I, am I so far from this thing called the world that I can't minister to people anymore because I don't see any value in anything other than trying to do something for you? We're building a church. David, David helped to build a church. Solomon built a thing. The Lord tore it apart. You say, what is that? God don't care about a building. He cares about you. And the moment all this stuff is done, why would he care about this anyways? He could speak it into being in a heartbeat. You know what he cares about is all of us sitting right here. He cares about every human in this room today. God so loved the world. That's you. And you know what he wants? He says, hey, I got something for you that nobody else can. I'd like to get visitation started again. I need some people to do it. I'd like to get nursing home ministry started up again. COVID's over. I need some people to do it. I'd like to get the jails already cooking. Street preaching is out there. Jonathan was here yesterday by himself. I'd like to get street preaching. But some of you got to do it. You got to say, well, Lord, what would you have me to do? I can't make you do it. I'm not going to make you do it. But I'm going to tell you, if you do it and you do those things because you do it for the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll get such a blessing out of it. And guess what? In return, he starts feeding you back. And that thing starts, it's, it goes back and forth and back and forth. And then that song like they sang at the beginning, complete in thee, complete in thee. That's, that's where it's at. Young ladies, get back up here. I want y'all to sing it again. Can you? If you're not complete in him, you'll never have that peace. If you're not complete in him, the altar's open. If you're not complete, you ought to be asking, well, Lord, complete me, complete me in. I know I'm completed, I'm saved. If you're in here today and you're not saved, you know what the first thing you ought to do is get saved. But if you're saved, what you ought to say, Lord, complete, complete my fellowship with you. Complete that thing so that me and you are totally right there in this thing together. Who else you're missing? One. Father, thank you for your blessings this morning. And Lord, like you told Peter, we, there's things that you left us. You left and went back home, but that's what needed to be done. You said the comforter was going to come, and you sent him. And Lord, you have kept your, your part of the bargain beyond a shadow of doubt. Lord, there's no doubt about it. Lord, now the rest of it's up to us, and we can do it. Lord, that song they sang at the beginning, I'm going to have them sing it here in a second again. I just pray that you put your hand upon it. But Lord, Lord, we are complete in you. There's, there, this world has nothing for us anymore. Uh, it could never complete us, and the day each one of us trusted you as our Savior is the day we were completed. And Lord, help us to find uh, our path down this world. Lord, there's a lot of young people in this, in this church, and in other churches too, Lord, that uh, they look out into the future, Lord, and they don't, may not see much of one out there, but it's there. Lord, I don't know when you're coming back. Lord, you may not even come back in my lifetime. Lord, it, it may be some time down the road. But until then, Lord, we need to be ready and know that we're fighting the devil, Lord, and there's a spirit out there that wants to move us off to the wrong side, Lord, and help us to always hear uh, the Holy Spirit and God directing our paths. And, Lord, thank you for your, your love for us and dying at Calvary for us uh, 2,000 years ago. Uh, Lord, today is our day to walk. And, Lord, teach it and help each one of us to walk. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.